We're going to be in the book of Proverbs again through the end of November, leading into the Advent season. But we've been in chapter 8 now for the entire month of October. And today we'll be closing out this wonderful passage. Proverbs chapter 8 has become one of my new favorite passages of Scripture. I've always read it, I've always studied it uh, from time to time, but not like other passages. But uh, this, these two months of my study, I mean, I was studying long before the month of October and preparing for October, uh, but even coming through this month as I've been preparing sermons, Proverbs chapter 8 is now just a rich, rich text for me. Uh, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. If the Lord were to give me the time... Uh, the blessing of time to write, I think I could write a book out of just Proverbs chapter 8. Um, it's amazing the richness that is here, and if the Lord grants me that privilege, I may take on that project. But Proverbs chapter 8, if you're able to stand with me, let us read God's Word together, beginning in verse 32. And now remember, Proverbs chapter 8, this is the voice of wisdom speaking, as if wisdom is personified. Proverbs chapter 8, beginning in verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. Let's pray. Dear God, we praise you for this gift of life that only comes from you. Even those who hate you and reject you, in your mercy, you still give them existence. You give them breath. But life is a thing that you hold in your hands, and it is life that is constant and eternal that you offer to those who love you and who find your wisdom. And that wisdom is Christ. And so I pray, God, this morning that you would show us the value of wisdom, but more specifically your wisdom, the wisdom of righteousness, the wisdom of salvation, the wisdom that leads to life eternal rather than our wisdom that leads to death. It is secular wisdom, man's wisdom, wisdom focused on us that leads to death. Yet it is wisdom that is centered in you and you alone that brings life. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning and that you would call us to embrace you and seek you and find you so that you in turn embrace us and find us and love us. So, God, thank you for your word, and I thank you for life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please have a seat. How many of you have ever been told, listen here, I have something to tell you? And there's always the finger, you notice how I've got the finger raised, right? Whenever that phrase comes, listen here, I have something important to tell you. There's that finger that tries to grab your attention. That's what I love about Proverbs chapter 8. As wisdom is speaking here, it is speaking as if it wants to be heard. It must be heard. And wisdom is crying out to us, listen. 
And how many of us do? How many of us have so much noise in our lives that it drowns out the voice of wisdom who is crying for our attention? Now, verses 22 through 31 that we looked at last week, and uh, I want to confess, when I look here in the bulletin, I have a typo. I failed to change the sermon title and the sermon passage for today in the bulletin. Uh, That's still from last week. I got everything else changed. I forgot that one line. But today we're in verses 32 through 36. But verses 22 through 31, just a little recap from last week. 22 through 31 is a section of, of Proverbs that personifies wisdom as an attribute of God, as God is active in creation. All that there is, is God active in it. Ponder that. Without God's active presence, you and I would not even be here. Without God's active presence in the creation, we would have no presence, no purpose, no life. That's what 22 through 31 points out. It's, it's actually a hymn. Many scholars look at verses 22 through 31 as a hymn that was sung to God's glory. Now we come to verse 32, and wisdom continues to speak. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. I started with the question of how often has someone who cares for you said, Listen up, I have something important to say. Wisdom is crying out that this morning. Listen, I have something important to say. And as children, oftentimes we just kind of said, we went on about our busyness and our activity and our energies. Somehow we were listening, but were we? Were we focused in what was being said? As parents, we often look back on our days with our children as we were raising them, and now that our children are raised, those of us who are in that position, we look back and say, did our children ever listen? I hope that they did. I know that in my, my case, you know, I, my mother did the best she could. She was a single mom raising three kids on a secretary's salary. We lived in a house where the roof leaked, and whenever it rained, we put out buckets. That was normal. There was oftentimes, as a child, I remember the only thing we had to eat was uh, we, we had leftover Hungry Jack biscuits, and that was lunch. I took one biscuit with me to school, that was it. My mama always told me, listen. I don't know if I did, but I think now as we get older, we look back and say, you know, there was some wisdom there. There was things that we had to hear. If we we don't hear it and respond to it as children, I know that it's there and it will come out later. So parents, continue to speak into your children. Love them. They'll hear. They will come back. Or, Or... you know, you, you may think that they're wandering, but really they're taking what you've told them, and it's there if you've told them the truth, if you've told them things in love, and you've told them things to look for in wisdom. They have, they have heard it, but they may not have responded yet, and it will always come back. I did have one of my sons, I won't tell you which one for embarrassment, uh, one of my sons uh, in the last, actually about two months ago, sent me a message, and it was very sweet. He said, Dad, you did the best you could. And I love you for it. And he said, I'm sorry. So I see, I see that wisdom is heard. 
And if we cry out, listen, there's something important to say, I know that it is there and we hear it. And this voice of listen up, I have something important to say, is the voice of wisdom. And this voice of wisdom is God himself speaking. And the world is there listening, but not really responding. And the wisdom says, listen up, I have something important to say. These verses, verses 32 through 36, drive home the appeal of wisdom with the ultimate sanctions of life and death. Wisdom is a matter of life or death. How many of y'all enjoy breathing right now? Y'all enjoying that freedom of just smelling the wonderful fresh oxygen that the God himself has given us? Y'all enjoy that? In order for that to continue, wisdom must be be followed. Wisdom must be embraced. These verses here are a promise from wisdom that if you embrace wisdom, if you find wisdom, you will live. But if you reject wisdom, if you hate wisdom, then you actually love death. These verses here, really, if you read them and you think about them from the Christian perspective... It's as if Jesus himself were talking here in verses 32 through 36. Just listen to this. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me. Wow. Watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Does that not sound like Jesus speaking? I don't think, that, I don't think that's an accident I, I, I am a firm believer that Jesus is ever-present from the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelation. Anytime you read any page in a Bible, you're, you're, you're listening for Jesus Christ because He's speaking. Even in the Old Testament stories, the narratives of Noah, the narratives of Moses in the burning bush, uh, the, the stories of David, the stories of the, of the, of the judges, all of this points to Christ. Christ is speaking. And so when we look at verses 32 through 36, this is wrapping up all of the wisdom that has been given throughout chapter 8, where wisdom speaks noble things, where wisdom dwells in prudence, where where wisdom began all that there is. Wisdom was there, and now wisdom is a matter of life or death. Think about this in verse 32. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. These are very familiar words. If, you're, if you ever have listened to the Sermon on the Mount, this is the most famous passage from that. This is Jesus speaking. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. You falsely on my account. And lastly, in verse 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward 
is great in heaven, for so they persuade, persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed. Unfortunately, in our materialistic modern mindset, we look at the word blessed and we think of money and prosperity and materialism and comfort. And that is not what the biblical understanding of blessed is. The idea of blessed here is this idea of happiness. It's this idea of living well. It is the idea of wisdom coming into our lives and changing us and making us humans that we are supposed to be. Blessed is the idea of flourishing, living well. Not prospering as far as financial prosperity, but prospering in the way that we are becoming more Christ-like and more human as God himself made us to be. And it is through sin that we lose the key element that makes us human, and that is God's presence and his love and his faithfulness to us, in us, as we are his created. And so we need wisdom. And so the Beatitudes here, the idea that Jesus is expressing is, Blessed are those who seek righteousness. Blessed are those who receive the kingdom of God. Amen? Think about this. Matthew chapter 5 again. Verse 3 of Matthew chapter 5 really is the theme here, is the main point that all of the Beatitudes follow. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be blessed is to receive the kingdom of heaven. To be blessed is to receive that which is of God, not what is of man. Correct? But we've been told a lie. And this is, this is a common theme throughout all of the book of Proverbs. All of the wisdom literature in the Old Testament set, points to this one theme, that there is that which is of the world and that which is of the kingdom of heaven, and that which is of the world brings death, and that which is of heaven brings life and righteousness. And so if we are in the side of righteousness in life, we have received blessing. We have received happiness, flourishing, well-living. See, wisdom is this thing that teaches us how to live. Wisdom is this thing that we follow, that we pursue. How do we live well? And that's what Proverbs is pointing to. How do you live well? It's not on your own. It's not in your own pursuits. It's not in your own wishes and desires. It is those desires that God has that we align with, that we embrace for ourselves. And God says, here is how I want you to live. That's wisdom. And so in verse 32, if you receive this wisdom, if you hear the instructions of the wise, then you are blessed. Wow. That's amazing. If you do not hear the wisdom of God, if you do not hear the wisdom of instruction, then you are not blessed because you do not love wisdom. You love something else. And verse 36 says you love death. Wow. That's an important point here. Here's a little sidetrack that's not in my notes, but it's worth bringing up. This week is going to be a very interesting week in our culture. It's a common thing now to where this week is the week where we worship what? The devil and death and all that fun stuff. If you are at home this week, 
and you do have trick-or-treaters coming to your house. Not every place does anymore. Use this time to be a light for Christ. You know what Wanda and I used to, when we lived over in Brookside, Bill and Kathy, tell me, you know what, tell me what Brookside subdivision looks like this week. Would you, say, would you say thousands of people come through there if the weather's good? Thousands will come through a neighborhood here in Allgood. I would, I would, I would be very, I would, that would be a conservative estimate. If the weather's good, church vans will show up in Brookside. Church vans with teenagers jumping out, running to get candy. You know what Rhonda and I used to do? We don't live there now. No, we just moved. Rhonda and I, we would, we would have, I would, I put speakers out in our front yard, and we were blasting Christian music all night long. I mean, what? I mean, right there they are. Let them hear the gospel. We were putting gospel tracks and stuff in the bags with them. Now, that's one thing that I, I have to confess. I was hoping to find time to create something for our church that you could take, but I'm, I don't have the time anymore to do all that stuff. And so, anyone who has that skill, who wants to create those kind of pamphlets and flyers for our church to hand out like at, thanks, at, at, at Halloween and stuff, you just feel free. That'd be a great outreach, wouldn't it? Instead of candy, give them a message from the gospel and say, here, come to Sovereign Grace Baptist Church. Jesus. Do what? Or both. Or both. Oh, you got to give candy with, with the gospel too? We did that too. Yeah, we gave candy with it. We, we were not that house that said no candy. We did get candy, okay, but we also blasted Christian music. Now, that was a sidetrack. Let the gospel be proclaimed this week. This is a great time for those who are hungry for something to hear the truth, even in the midst of darkness. God has placed you somewhere this week for a reason. Let that be your light. Now, in verse 33 and 34, well, actually, verse 32, we're not quite done there yet. Verse 32 and 33, And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. What is happening here? We live in a world where wisdom is no longer pursued. What is it that the world teaches us to pursue? The world teaches us to pursue anything that makes you happy. And so this idea of happiness tied in with the idea of blessedness is an important thing for us to consider. The world tells us what makes you happy is whatever you like. But I am so glad that McDonald's now has the McRib sandwich back out. You know, it's that seasonal thing. Right? It's only here in the fall. <clears throat> I've only had one so far. I only do one this year. I don't know. But there is something about that kind of thing that makes us happy, doesn't it? I don't, know what it ever about it. I don't know what it is that makes you happy. We all have different likes. We have different, we have different things that brings us joy. But the question is, what is it that brings you happiness? Does that thing bring you life? You see, we live in a world where wisdom is actually no longer necessary, according to the world. The, event, uh, the theologian Carl Henry has a wonderful thing to say about this. Here's what he wrote. He says, Despite its pursuit of knowledge, our generation, snared in relativities, is a stranger to wisdom. The idea that we live in an age where we have more knowledge and information at our fingertips than ever in human history. 
Matter of fact, wealth is now tied to information. If you want to make money now, it's tied to information. If you can figure out how to get information to people, you have made a gold mine. Think about it. what's on your phone. Apps. That is where the money is. It's not that you're, you're, they're not making money on the app. They're making money on the information that they're providing to you through the app. That's where the money's at. And so this generation, we are snared in relativities. That means that wisdom is relative, meaning that we decide what is truth. So again, despite its pursuits of knowledge, our generation snared in relativities is a stranger to wisdom. Wisdom, which Augustine viewed as the unum necessarium, which is Latin for the one needed, is no longer considered as the mind's indispensable acquisition, even by most intellectuals. We argue and complain about the state of our education system in this world, and right there is the very center of it. Those who claim to be the most intellectual, those who claim to have the keys to uh, education, are those who claim that wisdom is no longer necessary. Just pursue what makes you happy. And so when we look at verses 32 and 33... Verse 33 says, Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. That right there should be sung from the rooftops in our secular age. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Now here's a question then. If, if, if wisdom is so valuable according to the Proverbs, if wisdom is so valuable according to Solomon, my question to you is, would wisdom actually make your top ten list of the most precious things in the world? What is it that you hold precious? What is it that you hold the most valuable? Is wisdom even there? We live in a world where the secular education has said, just pursue whatever you dream and be smart in your own way. Matter of fact, we live in an age where education is no longer valued, really. You don't need an education. Just go out there and do work. Which, there is an, aid, there's an aspect of wisdom that it does not necessarily have to be tied to a college degree, okay? There is wisdom. Some of the wisest people I know barely made it out of the eighth grade. But they continued to learn, and they continued to embrace wisdom. <laughs> Amen? That's the point. Instead, we would rather sit around on... We used to sit around and watch cable TV all day. Now we sit around and surf the Internet and watch YouTube and Netflix and Facebook and all this other stuff instead of pursuing righteousness and wisdom. The question then remains, would wisdom make your list of the ten most precious things or is it somewhere down on the bottom or not even considered at all? Because verse 33 here says, hear, what, hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Do not neglect wisdom. Do not neglect those who are speaking truth to you, specifically God. Because what's the result? If we neglect the voice of wisdom, we're, ne we're neglecting the voice of Christ. If Christ and wisdom are seen as the same, if you neglect wisdom... You're neglecting Christ. 
If you neglect the voice of instruction and the wise, then you are neglecting the voice of Christ. Those who have wisdom in the gospel, those who have wisdom in the faith, who are speaking into your life, if you ignore them, you're ignoring the voice of Christ. That's what this is saying. Blessed is the one who watches and waits at the entrance of wisdom. Look here in verse 34. Blessed is the one who listens to me. Remember, wisdom is in, ver- in chapter 8 is crying to be heard. So in verse 34, blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. If wisdom is not important, if wisdom is not one of those top ten precious things, then you will not be waiting for it. You will not be watching for it. You will not be pursuing it. We'll be doing other things that are distractions designed by the devil himself to keep us away from Christ and his voice. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. This passage from Jesus Christ follows his instruction of the Lord's Prayer. But you also see this same passage in Matthew chapter 7. So if you turn to Luke chapter 11 and you want to put some notes in the margin, you could say the same thing is in Matthew chapter 7. But we're going to look at Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 5. And Jesus speaking, and he said to them, Watch, or which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you something. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If wisdom is important, then we will be seeking it. We will be asking for it. We will be knocking at the door of heaven. Tell me what it means to be your child. Tell me what it means to be wise in your ways, Lord. Proverbs 8.34, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. If wisdom is not important to you, you will not be looking for it. You will not be knocking on the gates of heaven. You will be knocking on the gates of the world. Which is it? So every now and then it's important for us to assess our lives. And when we look at what we spend our time on, that tells us what we value the most. If your time is spent more on things other than the gospel, if your time is spent on things other than the word of God, I say that is more important to you than God's voice. Which is it? 
Now we live in a world where you've got to work, you've got to do things, you've got to make money, you've got to pay the bills, you've got to raise the kids, you've got to keep the roof over your head. All of that is true, but wisdom is that which gives us what we need to make it all work for God's glory. Verse 35 and 36. Now the rubber meets the road here. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Now, look at verse 35 and 36. If you were to substitute the word me <laughs> with the name of Christ, and you can, I think that's a legitimate exercise because I think the voice of Christ is clearly speaking here. Let me read verses 35 and 36 again with substituting the word Christ, the name Christ. For whoever finds Christ finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find Christ injures himself. All who hate Christ love death. I think that's a legitimate exercise to do because Christ is clearly speaking through wisdom here. What is your response to that? Those who say that wisdom is not worthy of pursuing, when you think about it from a biblical perspective, wisdom and Christ are the same. Jesus has so much said so in the Gospels and in the New Testament. It says it. If you do not pursue wisdom, you're pursuing death. You're rejecting Christ himself. See, wisdom is a matter of life or death. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. This was our call to worship today. 1 John chapter 5. This point is driven home. Beginning in verse 9. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I mean, I don't think it gets any more clear. If you are not listening to the voice of God, you're listening to anything but, <laughs> then you are rejecting His voice, His voice of wisdom, His testimony of love through Christ, His testimony of wisdom in Christ. If Christ is in you, wisdom is in you. Christian, if you are in the blood of Christ, if Christ has made you a new person, then you have the wisdom of God in you. Why is it that Christians continue to make foolish decisions and foolish life choices? Why is it that Christians continue to live as the world desires them to live? Why is it that Christians always turn around and are frustrated and stressed and tired? It's because they're not listening to Christ who is in them. They're not listening to what is priority. They're listening to what the world says is priority. 
if your credit cards are maxed out and you can't pay them, which voice have you listened to? If your house is chaos and there is no love in the home, which voice are you listening to? If your relationships with your loved ones are stretched, which voice are you listening to? If you're exhausted and tired and hate your job, which voice are you listening to? If you'd rather listen to secular music and secular radio or secular podcasts or or whatever it is in your car as you're driving, instead of listening to the Word of God, which voice are you listening to? Whenever I find myself exhausted and stressed and tired and I examine why I'm there, it's because I've not been listening to the voice of God. I would also argue that if you're in a stressful situation, it may not just be you, it may be those around you who are leading you astray. Which is it? Here's what Gerard von Rad, another theologian, says about wisdom. He views wisdom as human reflection on the reality of God in the life of man. That's a great way to understand wisdom. Wisdom is human reflection on the reality of God in the life of man. Now, this is a unique perspective on wisdom that is tied directly to God's self-revelation to mankind. You realize that God revealed himself to us. You know that, don't you? Anyone who tells you that God is just a, uh, a manufactured thing of, of humanity has got it backwards. Anyone, and I hear this all the time, you know, in my classes that I teach at Vol State, I, I do teach uh, philosophy and philosophy of religion, and we have deep discussions about the, the ideas of God in a secular community college. I, I am blessed to be in that position. I really am. I find it a joy. Because at the very center of wisdom and at the very center of philosophy, you have two perspectives here. You either have a God-centered perspective or you have a humanist emphasis, one of the two. Either wisdom and philosophy is centered around mankind and human experiences or wisdom is tied directly to God, one of the two. Gerard von Rahn, let me say this again, he viewed wisdom as human reflection on the reality of God in the life of man. That is the biblical definition of wisdom, reflecting on God's reality in your life. That's wisdom. Now, in the context of this, right, one of the arguments against Christianity is that Human cultures around the world, throughout human history, have always had their own ways of thinking, their own wisdom, their own philosophies, their own cultures, their own this, that, or the other, and everybody has unique things. That's the idea of relativism, that that which is real is tied to your experience, and so they look at the truth of our living through that lens. And so then when they look at the words of wisdom in Proverbs, they say, oh, that's just another flavor of wisdom. Well, let me, let me try to respond here to that. I mean, you, you, the reason I bring this up is because I'm sure you've had conversations with people who reject the gospel from that very argument. Well, that's what I believe what I believe, and your Christianity is okay for you. Right? Y'all ever heard that one? 
If the argument is that wisdom and philosophy and is tied to culture and history and every, comp, every country, every society has their own ideas of God or living or whatever and that's okay for them. Here's the difference though. The nation of Israel took the idea of wisdom much farther than any country or culture up until the time that Israel was called by God to be their people. I would agree that in Egypt, the children of Israel who were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, remember? That's a long time to be influenced by Egyptian religion and education and culture, isn't it? That's a long time. And I would argue that the Egyptians had, a, had their own education system and the Egyptians had their own religions and the Egyptians had their own worldviews. And the children of Israel clearly were taught in, in that. Moses was. Moses was educated in the finest of education because he was adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter. I guarantee you that Moses had a more education than you and I ever imagined. The best of the best. But here's the difference. Israel took the whole idea of wisdom further than any of, the pre or any of the preceding cultures or countries or peoples of the ancient world. They took it and used it. That's the difference. You can pursue wisdom of the world and never apply it. But Israel, and hearing God's self-revelation. I am who I am. You remember Moses at the burning bush? Jesus, uh, Moses said, who are you? And the response was, I am. That's enough. It's one thing to even hear that. It's one thing to even hear that story in Sunday school and in vacation Bible school and even from sermons in the pulpit. It's one thing to hear Moses listening to the voice of God at the burning bush saying, I am. It's another thing to actually take that and use it. That's an important point. It's one thing to hear the truth. It's one thing to hear wisdom. It's one thing to hear the voice of Christ. It's one thing to hear all that we need to hear. It's another thing to actually use it. And that's what wisdom is. You see, Israel took this idea of wisdom that I would say that human cultures have cultivated for thousands of years many different philosophies and many different ways of living and many different ways of thinking. They did it, but Israel took it and used the wisdom that God gives and enabled men to come to a deeper understanding of God's way with His world. Shifted wisdom away from humanist-centered thinking and made it God-centered thinking. You see, the application of wisdom is to reflect upon God's self-revelation. Remember, wisdom is reflection on the reality of God in the life of man. It's not how do we live better as humans. It's what is God's activity, His active participation in us. Who is God? Who am I? 
Mark Dever once said, and I have this quote actually in a prominent place in my office. Mark Dever once said that anyone who seriously reflects on the majesty of God seriously reflects, cannot help but weep before his throne because we wake up and realize who we are, who we are. So wisdom, as it appears outside of Christ, is merely secular. Wisdom, as God has told us what it is in Proverbs and throughout all of Scripture, is God calling us to reflect upon His self-revelation. And how do you apply it? I am so happy to see in the adult Sunday school class, on the dry erase board, there are three columns And those three columns show us how to understand Scripture. Number one, you observe what's there. That's the first step. You observe God speaking. You then, the second step is you interpret, which means you find understanding of what's being said. But you don't stop there. Now you've got to figure out how to apply it. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's vain. It's, it's a worthless enterprise to be educated and smart without figuring out how to put it into practice. Amen? So we can even reflect on God and His goodness. We can reflect on the gracious mercy through Jesus Christ and His love for us. We can hear all the stories. But if we don't personally reflect upon it to the point of putting it into practice we're no better than the secular humanists we're no better than vain thinking so here's my final question for you if wisdom is a matter of life or death as this passage in in Proverbs chapter 8 and in 1 John chapter 5 tell us if wisdom is a matter of life or death How is your search for wisdom going? Is it even an idea? Is it even on your radar? Or would you rather just get through the week? Would you rather just get through the day? Is is the secular way of thinking more important to you than the wisdom of God? If you don't know where your mindset is, if you don't know where your priorities are, take assessment of the time that you spend each day and each week. Take assessment of where your checkbook is going. 